right. Now we're off. Hello, Harja. I guess while she again hit a granola shot of Lurni Bellagish, Lumhain, Claire Newhan, I guess Moholyaki, and Roger Kendena, Johnny Didham. Hello, Johnny. Hello, hello. Um, you join us today, folks, for our 20th episode of Blurney, and it's something of a bittersweet occasion, as it'll actually be my last edition. Not a word from you, Johnny. Arch I was expecting some heartfelt declaration you told, look, you told me to look away for this first bit. <laughs> That's great. That's fine, I know where we stand. Um, I'll be gently rising and softly calling goodnight and joy be with you all later this week as I embark on a new adventure. So to that end, Johnny and I wanted to record a final episode so that I could bid a fond farewell to our loyal listeners and also to act as corroborating evidence to confirm that we hadn't actually killed one another during the summer months. Always a fear because we have been mm-hmm. quite quiet, haven't we? We're not talking to each other. No, no, it's true. <laughs> Deathly silence in the archive. Um, that Johnny's ego hasn't run away with him. Well. Always a risk. And that I wasn't serving a prison sentence in Mountjoy for murder. Always a possibility. Not yet. Not yet. On the contrary, we end this particular chapter of Blurney as firm friends, as my legally binding extraction contract states, and aim to go out on a jovial note as we look back on some of our own favourite clips from past episodes, as well as kind of reminiscing a little bit more about some of our personal highlights from the archive here that you might not know about yet and might be interested in exploring further. But fear not, as Blurney will continue, and Johnny will say a bit more about that probably towards the end. Yeah, Yeah, we'll work something out. Perfect. So let's crack on. And mm-hmm. did you want to start with one of your favourite pieces, Johnny? Apart from saying that you're now my arch nemesis. Yes, well, I can't take it anymore, Johnny. Three no. and a half years. I know. I'm only human. I've been doing this for two years now, mm-hmm. which is amazing, really. April 2017, isn't it? April, April 2017. Man. So, yeah. It's gone Jesus very quickly. It has. But I've loved every minute. Likewise, yeah, likewise. It would be strange to do a new one, but we'll have to work out some way to maybe interview people or grab mm. women victims or something like that we'll exactly, work it out. we have such a great team here and so many interesting people who come to visit so maybe you want some feedback from loyal listeners as to what yeah yeah that'd be a good idea might. actually yes indeed that'd so. be good send forth your um, angry letters indeed about what ideas. you might be interested in and plague johnny with all forms <coughs> of suggestions and then look forward to five hour episodes of me uh, rambling incoherently without anyone to say <laughs> um for the sake of completeness or let's or a bit of alliteration yeah probably very little alliteration going on there um but, but no yeah. you should because it's such a lovely forum and you're so good at ah, it kind of life without parole from you here i'm afraid Claire. compliment now thanks but yeah you should. you should no we'll, we'll definitely have to keep um i don't know spreading the gospel as it were somehow and very much i will so. but we'll come back and kind of work it out eventually however that happens we'll see how it goes but um but in the meantime it is important to note that we are now arch nemeses and that our legal teams are in a bitter dispute Yes, it's about, true. About uh, dismantling the, the Blurry estate. I know, it's going to be who'll get the children. Yeah, you who's know, going to inherit who gets the, Bargy, the Who gets the Who gets O'Sullivan. Let's not even oh. have this conversation, Claire. Let's just get on with the journey. Yeah. Uh, so for the next however long, we, we're going we're gonna to rant about some of the, yeah, the kind of highlights, bits that we enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think when I, when, we, when, we, when I first wanted to kind of come up with the idea to do this, we uh, wanted basically to to dig through some of the material in the archive that maybe people don't always get to hear. It's mm-hmm. either researchers coming in or you have the, the public who are coming in to kind of consult the manuscripts or use the sound recordings. But the the benefit, I suppose, of having material online now is that we can share with such a broad audience and didn't expect as well how quite how far it would feel it would go for, yeah. for listeners in kind of places all over. It's been so surprising. Australia, New Zealand, yeah, Vladimir US, in Russia. Poor uh, uh, Vlad is, a, is, a, is a, a loyal, keen listener. I could be a concubine for a Russian... 
oligarch. You could be doing well. So, so good, I you know. um, Be kept in the style to which I've grown accustomed. Yeah, Faberge eggs, etc. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it would be, uh, yeah, so, so it's kind of, especially the deal because a lot of the time when you look for material relating to Irish folklore, um, to put it mildly, I suppose, you can get some material which is subpar, yeah. I would say. And I'll say no more. Indeed, because indeed. this Diplomatic. is. Um, but I don't know. I think you had a pretty good run at it so far. Talking about from, from different aspects of tradition, from material culture to vernacular architecture and supernatural aspects and so on. So I hope people have enjoyed this series and then also that they'll enjoy the next series, however it, however it manifests. But um, but yes, what we have today is even a list of. or a selection of some of the, some of the, the audio that we enjoyed. That we played over the. Kind of the 20 or the 19 episodes and then we've chosen our favorite ones yeah which is impossible also i noticed yeah. as i was going through to try and pick to pick your kind of favorite ones is really difficult but um do you want to start with one of yours oh should i start with one of mine okay um could we do i loved the banks of the roses i also absolutely love this was that mary egan no her no. name is um what is her name mrs McLo- mrs Belockney. oh sorry in, yes um but, um, Which is in tip, in Tipperary. Yes, this I love this one. But if you, we'll, we'll play it and then we'll and then ramble about it. Ra- afterwards. Ramble about it. Okay, Perfect. here we go. Is it a yeah. Yeah. If ever I get married, we'll be in the month of May when the fields they are green and the meadows they'll be gay. For me and my true love to roll sport and play all alone by the banks of the roses. On the banks of the roses, where me and me love sat down, I pulled out me German flute for to play me love a tune. And in the middle of the tune, she smiled and she said, Oh, Johnny, lovely Johnny, do not leave me. Johnny, lovely Johnny, you have my poor heart one. You are my evening's bright star and the morning's early sun. And if I do not gain you the strength that I will run all alone by the banks of the roses. Indeed, I am no drunk. I know. I stop it. Stop it. Oh, I said that one. Uh, Sorry. There you are now. Indeed, I am no drunkard, and very well it's known I can drink <coughs> when I like a love or leave it alone. And if your mother doesn't like me, she can give you a home. And it's then I look out for another. Whiskey is a cordial as I do not like at all. The reason I don't like it, the measure is too small. I would like a jug of ale that would go around us all. And I'd like to see me darling drinking brandy. Indeed, I am no drunkard, and very well it's known. I can drink if I like love or leave it alone. And if your parents did or like you, they can give you a home. And it's then I look out for another. These parents, they got married, as we hear the people say. They may take another road on the very next day. 
making providence to rake them and guide them the right way and adieu to the banks of the roses. I think that's it. I'm that's sure. grand now. That's lovely now. Yeah, sure, please. There, there, yeah, that. that now again. Amazing. No, Karen, a fine choice. A fine choice, I think. Yes, I've I can relate to No, I agree, Johnny. in fact, I think. What, what, uh, no. So you wanted to elaborate on why, why you uh, like that song? I completely, that's hilarious. We laughed about this the last time because... Um, I don't know what you're talking about. I know. Well, no, she, she Look, obviously cares more for her Johnny than I care for her. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> no, why I like this was um, that little bit at the end was throughout, she can have either she coughs Mm. Or you hear the car in the background, mm-hmm. or that little moment at the end where she says, "That's that's grand now." That's it now. And, and then the woman says, "That's grand now." Where the two her sisters or her friends were there with her, supporting her. Support. They they come in at that little bit and they're singing with yeah. her, and then the she loses the run of it and has to has to hit the stop machine and stop and start. It's it's a lovely little it is. picture so, collecting. But it just shows me so much of the why the context of our kind of um, folklore collection is important mm. like what shapes the creation of a piece of folklore how it's collected how like why it's offered how it's offered but um it's this kind of humility at the end because i always kind of sense that sometimes when speaking to people and even listening to recordings i don't know if you agree that they almost think oh i i, I have nothing important to tell you like, mm-hmm. like what i have isn't valuable yeah and they always sense that you know just because it's not written down or because it's not in state archives that it's somehow less valuable. I wouldn't know anything about that now. This <laughs> but, sort of this sort of thing. Yeah, kind of, yeah, this is it, you know, and these always mm. seem so humble. And I just I love that the collection here represents this um kind of state endorsed opinion that kind of um rural culture and urban culture of kind of folklore matters yeah, and yeah. that it is important. And that it should have been saved and that it should continue to be saved. So I just love that whole moment where she is Amen. Um, yeah. Oh, it's lovely. It's so nice, and it's 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 interesting as well. Even to think of the the, um, I don't know what the context of that recording is because it seems it's it's the, the, the woman who's singing. It seems as though it's a kind of, quite an ad hoc scenario that it's not one of the mm. departments kind of collectors who are out there who who are collecting. It. I think it's, it's one of these women who are who are with her singing, um, but just the the impact of recording the item, how it changes the the versions of it, mm. the the medium, how the. How the performance can be kind of um, impacted by the medium or by the recording itself, mm-hmm. but what you were saying there about the recognition of of the um, the ordinary culture of the ordinary kind of I'm clawing the air with my fingers here mm-hmm. ordinary people, um, yeah that is it is such an important thing and to think of the the I suppose to go even to, to back to the likes of Delargy and all who have been established in the place their whole view that. That it isn't the state archive, the formal official record, the legal records, the deeds, the court records, the stamped kind of mm. um, records of the state and, and the mercantile kind of administrative bureaucratic world or whatever. It's the it's the um, the unofficial, the communal, the anonymous, traditional. That's the Volksgeist, the genius of yes. the people is in there. That that's where the that's where the that's where the authenticity is derived from. Mm. Not from not from the the kind of the um, the state the records. Hierarchy. This is like recently when it for, for the for going through the in the National Archives, I was chatting to you about this. The um the there are files from the Department of the Taoiseach on the folklore commissions being mm. set up in the National Archives, and in one of them there's a letter from from De Largi to De Valera when he's about to set up the folklore commission, um and he he realizes that um, that there's a chance that De Valera is going to put some civil servants on the board of the commission because the government wants some degree of oversight over what yes. De Largi's doing. Yes. 
and he writes this um, scathing, well not quite scathing, but a very strongly worded letter to, to the Taoiseach, to the Prime Minister of the day, um, saying that he, he feels as though he must put down a paper that the state cannot create a spiritual movement. Oh, interesting. You know, and that's what he sees the, the kind of the Folklore Commission as. He keeps talking bit? about spiritual patriotism, the spiritual culture of the people, and all this kind of stuff, even in the material culture, mm. that it's, it's this kind of, um, I suppose, to, yeah, like you're saying, that, that, that it's like a national or state-sponsored community archive approach to this is this is what's important the un- informal unofficial culture of the people is in a way more indicative of the official culture of the people yes. than the so-called stamped bureaucratic transactional kind of stuff i agree know? and it's this was one of the things and i actually read this over the weekend it just came up on um, twitter that someone had shared it it was an article about an event um, at home where i'm from and we would know and um, kind of the land agitation period would have been very kind of prevalent in donegal in the 1800s, and we had a, a notable priest, um, Father McFadden, who we would all gr- grow up having known as a folk hero, really, mm. who defended the tenants' rights and was um, spent time in prison for it. But one of the, the great kind of events, if you like, that's kind of stamped in our memory is that he was, or that it was attempted to arrest him one day after mass, and that the townspeople actually turned on the on the inspector Martin and killed him. Mm. That's how. See. Don't mess with I'm the look, uh, what, I mean, get the point. It. I get it. You only have to do this so, last thing and then you're gone. But, um, We've made it this far. <laughs> We've made it this far. But it's a, it's a story that we grow up with and it's almost just part of our culture that, oh yes, you know, and Cyrus Moore and Marion Warchina. Mm. And you don't even stop to think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And then I was reading this article um, in the Times that they'd obviously written about the history of this event and kind of what it represented. And they had used quotes from contemporary papers and it's this idea of like um, Bunbeg, which would have been near the kind of one of the townlands near to where it happened. Mm. But they described it as being, um, what was it? It was Bunbeg was not easily accessible. It was some 20 miles from civilization <laughs> or whatever this line was. And it's always this idea of reinforcing the peasantry and that so many miles from civilization mm-hmm. as if they were some kind of primitive tribes people out here with nothing to offer. <clears throat> is this know. a Donegal thing I hear, guys? You're coming no, I think so many people would... Um, so many rural Irish would mm-hmm. agree with this and also kind of these stereotypes that urban Ireland also probably has to struggle with but it was just this idea that civilization doesn't reside there yeah, yeah you know yeah. and it really always annoyed me and now I'm so appreciative I think when you see the UNESCO recognition that the mm. collection has gotten and you see more and more historians coming to visit us mm-hmm. and different um, fields of expertise archaeologists linguists really coming to realize how important the collection we have here is and the material that it offers yeah and um, so for me that's been one of the joys of my time here just yeah, to see yeah. that real development it's amazing it's and it's not uh, I, I can't recall now was it was it it's boo Ancast, i think in his uh he has his article irish folklore commission achievement and legacy in uh bail it is uh, 1977 to 79 what's the page what is the page well i read Come it as, on, i read it as a pamphlet so it started page it. oh god <laughs> um you can get it on jstor because the Bailedist Journal is on there and it's Irish Folklore Commission Achievement and Legacy but in that he talks about um, that as you were saying the kind of the, the importance that began to be placed on the civilization or the, or the awareness that, that, that dawned basically on, on scholars in Europe in the 19th and, and 20th centuries that, that there resided in, um, in the ordinary people this kind of um, uh, great civilization basically mm-hmm. that, that we could kind of trace back across, across Europe that indicated our different routes and so on but Adolf Maher, who was the director of the National Museum in the into the through the twenties into the thirties, um, he had a huge impact in, in that as well. I remember there was some quote from him. He had a he he 
institute or initiated an exhibition on traditional clothing on on um, the rural kind of dress of the peasantry or something like that mm. and I, but i remember reading this is one of those terrible kind of things you just have floating in your head not attached to anything but either delargy or someone or maybe mar himself talking about trying to kind of create the realization that there is a repository of of kind of um cultural merit to be found in the ordinary people basically mm. and what seems now as a given to us but trying at the time to change the perspective on that where to look yeah and, and, and what and what is of importance and and to realize even that the kind of the content that the ordinary utensils in the home or the layout of the fireplace or the construction of the house or all these things that there's a whole cosmos there that's that's to be understood or whatever it's what is general knowledge to one generation is not necessarily general knowledge to another. Absolutely. So those who would assume, why are you asking? That is absolutely the case. But isn't it? Well, why are you asking me about, you know, what we do at St. Bridget's Night or blah, blah, blah. But in a hundred years, you know, that's the difference. So this is why it's important. Um, So I'm glad that they, maybe some of them didn't get to see it in their lifetime, but that those who now get to see that their materials are being used, I think it's great education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so do you have another favourite piece? Yeah, this is a piece that uh, just breaks my heart. This this woman, uh, Lizanne Fitzpatrick, we played this in the previous episode on trees. Mm. And she's talking about um, a fairy tree on her father's land. And it was the idea that, that, that um, as a quick kind of recap, I suppose, that there are certain trees, say a tree in, in the middle of the field, especially a kind of a, a hawthorn tree or a hawthorn bush or whatever, um, that looked like it wasn't planted by a human hand, basically. And trees like this were often kind of I suppose there was a certain um, they were treated with a certain reverence or uh, suspicion for want of a better word that they were a kind of an abode of supernatural spirits of the fairies basically not the Tinkerbell kind of Victorian literary fairies but nature spirits who kind of live around us and can cause us all sorts of hassle if we mess with them so you don't cut these trees down mm-hmm. and this tape recording we closed the last episode with it so there's a piece of music by Richard Mould piano music afterwards um, which is kind of attached to this 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 piece but she's talking about, I think, the pressure that her father came under to kind of cut it down. And they're talking about kind of, ah, you're nothing but a silly old man and all this sort of stuff. But he's like, no, that's a, that's an old tree. And that. So it's kind of, it's, I suppose, in a way, for me, symbolized the idea of the person who's standing for tradition yes. in, in when surrounded by its, its opposites. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I'll play uh, Lizanne Fitzpatrick. See, we have, Tom, in our house, my father had a great big tree and it's a, oh, an awful big tree. And it's an apple tree. And, of course, it's in, it interfered with me father. Of course, I suppose they have it took over the field where it is now because the corn field, it was in. My father always ploughed and everything around, and people used to say, you're a foolish old man. What do you think you are? Why don't you throw that tree down and have all that space? No, says me father. That tree is there in our old generation, and that's a real old, old tree, he said. And that's a fairy tree, he says, and I would not touch it. My father wouldn't touch the tree. No, he wouldn't let you go near an apple on it. Really? The poor old... It was an apple Oh, tree. I wouldn't let an apple off for anything. Oh, no, my father wouldn't have even touch an apple off it. Now, it's they any other trees. apples uh, to be, and still we wouldn't touch them. The cows, like, cows would we let them into the field. They would eat the apples yeah. off it, but we wouldn't touch them, no. Touch nothing belonging to a fairy, you're not supposed to. And were there any other trees, like... No, there was only this one big tree in the middle of the field, like, and it was a corn field, he used to sow it chill it and all and everyone was at him why did he not cut down that tree and not have that tree there and my father said no long as my generation is alive you know I shouldn't meddle with them they don't meddle with you and you shouldn't meddle with them oh there's any more fairies in the country we used to go at night to hear them yeah how do you hear them? to hear them you hear them in the field singing 
the singing till of seven, you see, in the field. We used to go to and, uh, our place with all the big cross, big cross roads, and we used to all go out and stand at, uh, over the, the, the wall, and they said, listen, listen, we'd say, listen, do you hear them? And uh, they sang it to themselves there for all that we were. And people often seen them coming home for, at night from dances and all, crossing the road and all. Now, at, at about 12 o'clock now, at night, that's where you'd see them crossing the road, from one field into another. They stay in the rat. Yeah. You know, they have rats. Yeah. yeah, there was the tree, the rat is in the tree then, you know, they can stay there. I believe they're lovely little women. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe. I believe they're lovely little ones. And are they all women? They're all women, all women. Little fairy women. So that's why the little child went off the play, she thought there were children like herself. <laughs> there were fairies all that. There was any of the fairies in the country. That's why we looked outside the door and they were afraid of the fairies. Because we'd hear them, we'd hear them singing. We go out in our own crossroads and the lads will be going out for Quartine. They call it Kaylee in here, we call it Quartine. And then we go to every clock in the lower board. They'd say, Come out here. Come out here. There's Anne and Anne, Johnny. Come out here to hear this. Come on, Anne. we could hear them. They were lovely. Yeah, Johnny needs to be quiet. He's going to pick the blackbirds. We'd go to that and we'd play with them. Singing at the Lamb Bridge, we thought there was. And it wasn't very You're crying, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, that was Lisanne Fitzpatrick. I and, love, though. Uh, do you know what really struck and me? And like Richard Mould. Sorry, oh, Starfield. Uh, Starfield Tree, I think it was called, his piece of music. You can find his music, starred-desert.com. Lovely music, you know, download it from there. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, that's okay. I won't miss you projecting. Um, and another thing I just want to say <laughs> before we carry on. No, it's, I realise, actually, we were laughing there while I was playing because it is slightly, it gets slightly kind of... Um, there's an air of miserabilism yeah. with the whole the sadness, the sorrow, the thing. A poignancy, a poignancy is probably better yeah. to use. And we're not trying to make uh, this an entirely poignant. No, but it's a joyful one. We've had such a laugh. So we have, we have. And these are our favourite bits. They are, they are. But which yeah. it's interesting to notice that, uh, well, well, that one, it just, it, it breaks my heart the way she's kind of, her, 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 how would you call it? She just goes off and the collector's trying to ask her mm. questions. What sort of thing? And she's just paying no heed and she's just, remembering and she's talking yeah. about her siblings talking about her father it's talking the father, about the, the, though. yeah that's what gets me like she has a very she uses the story as it's cr- kind of it's clearly a story that reinforces an image of her father, of her father. for her yeah, yeah. like a steadfast presence yeah. in her life yeah. who was well maybe this is me being romantic no, no, no. but as you imagine like girls always think of many of their fathers as mm-hmm. well not many they only have the one but many girls think of their fathers as being you know the 
um, the bulwark of the family, mm. and the patriarch, the one who's going to be solid and mm-hmm. um, secure and a safe pair of hands. And clearly she, she loved him very much. Mm. And I think the story helps paint that image in her head. Yeah, and even just the know? sense of, of not letting that tree, that, that kind of force be cut down and yeah. not letting it be uprooted or, or cast asunder or just cast aside. And you know what I mean? And, and the same goes for, yeah, as you can hear her talking about her father and then in a broader sense for ourselves, our own mm. our own forebears, our own mothers and fathers or where we come from, to not not um not kind of what is it, kind of give in to the I don't know, the ignorance of, of the modern age in so many ways that say, Well, what's the use in that? Mm. Cut that down or, yeah, or to view things forward, in sorry. economic terms or mm. all this sort of kind of nonsense basically. So to not do those things yeah. and not to uproot ourselves and not become lost and, and you need hack roots. out that yeah. which is uh, oh good grief you know, of like I know part of the pun but like you do need roots I think to ground you especially in the fast moving world that we live in where there's pressure and there's stress and you need to kind of be succeeding and be seen to be succeeding in every aspect of life whereas these things ground you and you realise actually this is what's important you know yeah. everything else 100%. is transitory you know when I go in the box people are going to remember like what kind of person you were you know we a tyrant Claire <laughs> a tyrant might not even get the box they might just fling me into the ocean <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> but, um, no, no, yeah no, roots are important point. roots are important <clears throat> if we haven't emphasized that I suppose over the last I know you're probably years, yeah, often, right? preaching to the choir now folks but, but um, it is yeah. it is it is it is so so important yeah it's um, true. that we not just hold fast but also yeah so anyway Perfect. So that is that gospel, mm-hmm. um, respect your roots. So I was going to speak next about one of the um, collections that people might not know much about, but I just wanted to say something um, or speak to it just so that you could maybe explore it a bit more, is we have a wonderful collection of sketchbooks here in the mm. archive by the artist Simon Coleman. And you may have come across this. We did a blog post on it um, a few months ago on the Cultural Heritage Collections blog with UCD Library with the great team in special collections and UCD archives and UCD digital library. But Simon Coleman was a resident artist, if you like, with the commission. He was from County Meath, um, a member of the RHA, a really gifted, gifted artist. If you look at any of his um, work, his portraits and his paintings. And he was hired by Delargy, the great visionary that we have mm-hmm. come to know and love, in 1949 for two weeks and then also in 1959, so 10 years later, for three months and two weeks. So in 1949, Delargy hired him to travel to Donegal for a fortnight with the full-time collector, Sean O'Hoy. And basically he was to do what Sean was doing. Um, what Sean was collecting in words, he was to collect and represent in images. So mm. he was visually documenting Irish folklore. So while Sean would be meeting informants and speaking recording transcribing their recollections their narratives and their kind of social history simon would be traveling alongside him either painting sketches or portraits of the informants or visually documenting the material culture in the homes so we have these beautiful sketches of people places landscapes and um, tools utensils, utensils in, house, yeah. in um, house interiors and um, topographical features kind of mm. archaeological sites and we have this for Donegal and um, various townlands in Galway. He spent three months in Galway with Kieran Barrett in 1959 from January mm-hmm. to March, April. And then he would have gone back for two weeks later in the year and spent time with Princess de Burke, I believe. And they would have traveled 
a bit more of Galway and Clare. Mm. But all of these sketchbooks, and um, there are six of them in total, they've all been digitised and they are available online on thuhis.ie to view. So if you were to go on to thuhis.ie and search for Coleman, you will, I think three come up, but if you click on one of them and then click on Simon's name, all 190 will yeah, come up. Yeah, I think the way that, that I was explaining to this at talk last night, and I, it's it's kind of counterintuitive on the site. When you go on to doofus.ie, you'll see the collections, but there's a kind of search bar, but you have to hold fast against your own yes, uh, yeah. Googleism, where you just enter the query in the search bar. Yes. There's also a, a, a field at the top of the page referring to people. And if you go to that, you can enter the, na- the forename and surname of the individual that you're looking for, and mm-hmm. that will give you, that will tag the, the profile of the individual. So if you write Coleman in the surname of people, it'll give you all of his material in the photographic collection. Perfect. Which, um, is what you want. which you won't necessarily get for. I'm not sure whether it's the case if you just if you just do a text search across the site. Mm. But I think it's yeah, the algorithm. It works, but it's just when you're looking for this that specific um, kind of items. But the um, the material is is incredible. It's, it's so beautiful. so beautiful. Oh, and it's so painstakingly hand hand done. It is. He's, he was a real draftsman. I have to say, and um, he would have become known to Delargy, I imagine through Hyde because he did the Council of State portrait for President Hyde at the time and he's just so deft and mm. kind of articulate mm-hmm. if you can in visual terms at kind of creating or um, capturing the emotions on people's faces and then just the detail in kind of house interiors or, or thatching processes yes, or like he goes through used processes and... like farming processes and thatching processes and writes out the minutiae of how it's mm. done and even he has these wonderful sketches of men carrying and um, creel wicker baskets on mm. their backs carrying turf and he has some from Donegal but then he also has them from Galway and shows how they're different mm-hmm. so he is essentially capturing variations the, yeah. as Sean Ahoy or Kieran Bard would be doing mm. so I'd recommend the Simon Coleman collection um, to look it up because he was just he kind of captures another um, snapshot of that time in, in these regions but what I liked in um, sorry Johnny I'm mm-hmm. speaking um, on the front Friday the 10th of April 1959 his very last day with the um, with the commission as a field worker so to speak he writes in his diary alas and alack I love that who writes this now alas and alack this is the last day of my three month stay in the west of Ireland what an enriching time it has been though fraught with the inevitable vicissitudes lovely sunlight days and sometimes dark wild and stormy ones too flying through flying along through the roadways of the west listening to kieran's irrepressible and illuminating patter i think i'll remember all these experiences for the rest of my earthly days i feel i've been immersed in a great wave that has impregnated my whole mind my whole mind and being hmm it's amazing i was going to say before you so rude to cut me off <laughs> um uh, okay campbell is another one who did, who did yes. incredible sketches in, in 1930 he came over for, for, on, at the behest for the Irish Folklore Institute doing um, sketches of interiors and mm. but but the 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 idea even at that time through the 20s and 30s and then as if the commission really kind of carried it out with Colin that 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 would be a, a valid archival record yes. a, a sketch you know the, of the again it's a type of it's a type of record that you you won't find kind of carried out or collected the same degree in in a formal archive in a state archive sketches of a man with carrying something and yeah. what does that mean but it's the type of questions that or a sketch of four walking sticks yeah yeah know, yeah and then the like names for them yeah. or the names for different parts of it or something like that so um i was reading through through um the delargy's um, diaries recently and in 1930 i think there's a reference to he had um he had hoped that a certain artist would go and as common did 
go accompany kind of collectors on, on their tour to, to, to sketch and so on. I was laughing, I won't say the artist's name, but um, he, he went, he, he sent this fellow out to some part of Galway he came back with nothing because he drank so much oh no which he admitted oh. he said he's like oh good grief pitfall pitfalls indeed yeah but what a, what an amazing um the kind of the foresight to go out and, and collect this yeah. material and in then, 1949 yeah, you know yeah, yeah. just to have that it's it's incredible vision. it's incredible and even to collect again ordinary scenes and ordinary accounts or and, and then with the passage of time they become utterly extraordinary and the care and detail that went into them it's just astounding it it's is amazing. so you're w- very welcome everything has been digitized so it's online so you can access it from anywhere in the world and the sketchbooks themselves are here in the archive they're quite fragile now so we usually prefer that you look at the the digital images and um, if you were to come in mm-hmm. but um, i'd recommend you look at them because they're just <coughs> incredible and really um emblematic of a great craftsmanship that has mm. been lost like this beautiful wicker work and thatch work mm. so yeah the simon coleman collection mm-hmm. one of my favorite things um do you want to continue ranting away uninterrupted or do you want to go to more audio um, should we do an audio yeah you never give me free reign like this so Johnny. let's move on so Sophie. it's taken no, me it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you want to hear what what sort of thing um, did you want to do one of your favorite pieces now or like mm, no i had the last one so you, it's your oh, turn oh right okay um i was going to go with the humorous one that we did for um the moon and it was by the light of the silvery moon mm-hmm. which is basically um a caveat emptor warning for all men and women looking for spouses just to have a good old try before you buy indeed it was down in killalay in the merry month of may when the roses and the heather was in bloom a fair lady passed me by and she winked with her right eye by the bright silvery light of the moon Twas a case of love at sight, but to us it was delight. We got cuddled up together very soon. We got married straight away in the church at Killalee by the bright silvery light of the moon. But she squandered all my dough to our home we had to go. Oh, what a place to spend the honeymoon With no fire in the grate Only looking at the plate By the bright silvery light of the moon But when we went to bed It is then I got in dread For I knew that I was going far too soon For t'was there upon a chair I see her golden hair By the bright silvery light of the moon But the worst was yet in store For when she began to snore She nearly pulled a blanket round the room And t'was there upon a peg I see her wooden leg By the bright silvery light of the moon Now young fellas if you meet A fair lady down the street Try her well before you plan your honeymoon Pull her leg and pull her hair And make sure that she's all there By the bright silvery light of the moon 
So there you go. Just yeah. a word of caution. Indeed. Watch out. Exactly. Be careful now. Um, Tom Lennon. I think I said Junior Green. But another Claremont. Tom Lennon, who, who Tom Munley collected from. But uh, yeah, amazing. It is. It's very. I, I do quite like it for its humour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's got a lovely voice. I love listening to him. He does. He does. And there's another... Um, well, we have... There's a whole kind of release of his. His, his material was released on two tapes. Mm-hmm. Or four tapes. Um, the Mount Callan Garland. But it's been re-released recently. The book and CD is that if people want to find a copy of that, his songs are fantastic. Um, yeah, so, do you want to play one of your favorites? Yes, I'm trying to think here which because I have a few. Well, I guess I'll go with another humorous song. Um, I love this. This is from um, a colleague of ours, a late colleague of ours, mm. Finbar Boyle, who would have worked in the Sound Archive um, back in the day. And he's singing at a um, some sort of song gathering basically um but it's on oni's bar so it's, this is the raid on oni's bar which describes uh, in great detail the the um the police as they come and try and stop the festivities at this people being served after hours at this bar basically i'll sing it just on condition that the door is kept shut and that one of the participants is kept out while i'm singing it <laughs> One evening I lay down to crows Three days thread to a bar That is famous for doing a late thread In spirits and beer and in red lemonade Among company that's kindly and jovial The man from Canali put me at me ears And he sat me down cosy before a great blaze And he filled me a pint and a half And that plays and another we drop came from Oni. For an hour and a half I drank liquor so rare you would think it was brewed be the gods, I declare. Out in nectar and honey and lotus is fair, sure it only came over the border. <laughs> and at half past eleven we sadly prepared to return to our lodgings back where we were reared. We packed up our bags, we were filled with dull cares, and then only put in a big order. And the tipplers relaxed and returned to their drinks, rejoicing that now they need not feel the pinch. Peter Short finished off the last eighth of an inch, he was sucking since twenty past seven. <laughs> and the music began in an old-fashioned style, you would travel to hear it for many a mile. I was drinking and laughing away all the while. Sure, I thought I was dead and in heaven. There was lads there from Newry, the Rock and the Hack, some that came from Belfast and that never went back. <laughs> and more live convenient to Carol the Blank and every man Jack's willing porter. There was some came from Hill Street and more from the Quay. Some cross Midland patriots tearing away. <laughs> in a skein done a mine, they were all in a ray, but each man kept himself in good order. <coughs> now a dirty big guard that was out in the street, on passing the door, heard the music so sweet. And he kicked up his heels and he better a treat to summon up two of his cronies. They quickly returned to the scene of the crime. And they called on the company to fight or resign. Let them in, cried Pat Murphy, we'll only be fined on the night that the guards raided Onies. 
says the sergeant on entering, what's this I see? And why is so many all out on the spree? Can it be that the country at long last is free? Our conduct it is most nefarious. Sure, sergeant, it's not free, then no need it say. If you wish to drink beer like the rest, you must pay. <laughs> we'll stay here if we let the clear later day. Sure, you know, in Dundalk, we're gregarious. <laughs> And the guards that went round and they took all our names And they struggled to spell with their feeble wee brains <laughs> And of some names in Irish they made a great hymns And more they abandoned forever <laughs> To the roof the Mulhollands they quickly did claim To us from the far of the scene of the crime And to watch the old guards making good over time When they gather the lads all together May the devil he hoist them high up on a ramp, the sergeant, the guard, and the lad with the lamp. And the dirty men, miserable poxy low tramps from the bogs that was dragged up so lowly. May they always see suffering, sorrow, and pain. May their boots never fit, may their belts never strain. If they interrupt such a grand evening again as the night that the first raided Oni. That their motors may stand, that their noses may run, that their necks once so red may turn green in the sun, <laughs> that their teeth may turn black and fall out one by one, that starvation may make them grow bony, <laughs> that their arses may fester and drop to their heels, and that their last day in minutes be tempered with squeals, <laughs> that the maidens forever, the jigs and the reels, were the devil for raiding poor Oni. Hopfenbar, lovely, Amazing. lovely stuff. Yeah, what a voice and what a witty, hilarious. Uh, it's a great chap. story, you know. You listen to songs nowadays, and um, like I'm, I'm a fan of Rihanna and etc. Oh, et as much as the next person. But like in terms of narrative stories, they're not great, are they? Whereas these stories, they would no, paint a picture. They do. Um, Finbar, we met him before before he died, and he was singing the praises of the podcast as well, which is lovely. Yeah. So nice to hear. Yeah. That's so nice. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we were laughing there while I was playing because I was comparing our notes when I came into this room this morning. <laughs> I laughed because it's been so long since we've done one of these. And what do I see in the table before <laughs> me? Claire's notes, neatly arranged, photocopied articles, everything symmetrically done, slightly frightening. And what do I have? A blank sheet of paper with Blurini 20 written on it. And oh, well, that's, that's a start. It. Do you remember when our first episode, when I used uh, to have the colour? Yeah, you had colour for the, for the sake of uh, listeners here who, who weren't privy to the visual overload that was sharing a desk up there yeah you had um color-coded yeah, cards no, that wasn't even me. notes it was like the entire extract was, but was written I, page do numbers you know what i think is no, funny. no 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 it's insane it's terrifying but, but it's it, also amazing and it's i mean well, what are we going to do claire but when, no, when your organizational capacity disappears we're going, we're going to flail into it, it's going to be this <laughs> It's going to be this, blank sheets of paper. And I'm going to be like, you know, <coughs> and they won't see that it's blank, but it's going to be blank. But I think, though, that's your strength, Johnny, whereas you can paint just off the cuff. I need to have the tools in front of me. Just uh, no, no, feel free to just keep going with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's so like I often think I almost hate listening back to our early, early ones because you can tell the difference. How bad the, you are as a presenter. Well, yes, well, that goes without saying. But you can see the journey we've been on, because it is like reading the You've news. You've grown, Claire. I've grown. I've been on a journey, <laughs> Johnny. I really should win this episode of Ireland's Got Talent. But uh, it is, like, we're so closed off, in a way, in the first episode. 
Um, do you think? Yeah, I mean, so young. Do we really? Yeah. Yeah, and just it's almost Naive, like a newsreader. Now we're jaded. Good evening, folks. Old, Welcome uh, to episode one. Of is it Learning. like that? Yeah. Yeah, very much. So we're That's very hilarious. stilted. So we've really come Stiff. a long way. Yes. Hmm. For better or for worse, we've let loose. We have. Yes. There are. There are. Well, you for one. Although you're still <laughs> frighteningly organised, you have no cutter coded cards. I know. Which I know. was. Um, yeah, it was a bit terrifying, Claire. Now, in fairness. It's true. It's true. It was I've, amazing, but I've improved in my level of um relaxation you have well <laughs> now you have you have <laughs> bless you now um what were we going on about there okay please that refer was, to your list there oh yeah i'll just look at my blank my sheet of paper here um fembar boyle well road dressing mm. amazing carter but um to talk about there's another piece since we're gone mad here with with, with recordings and uh, there's another piece I wanted to play. It's hard to kind of, there's so much material. Even trying to pick audio for each of these episodes has been so difficult out of the 12,000 hours of stuff that we have. God knows I've been listening to you complaining. Well, um, but there's there's a nice piece that I want to play here that, that I don't know if this quite is conveyed to anyone except ourselves, I suppose, or, you know, to someone listening. But the role of the collector in, in uh, as far as the kind of interviewing techniques that, that are acquired by the folklorist when collecting. Which can often be a kind of strange bit of a black art with someone that you're in their mm. house or in or in a uh, maybe it could be in all sorts of strange environments where you're collecting with someone, um, and although you're trying to be as kind of relaxed and informal in a way as possible, when the recording starts, there's a kind of shift really where you're you're not having a, a conversation, an informal relaxed conversation, but it's mm. trying to be make it relaxed, but it's you're aware. It, that it's for uh, being recorded for posterity basically so it takes a huge amount of energy to be kind of sitting there making sure that you're not um even interjecting with little things like mm-hmm, yeah, mm, yeah. Yes. these things and you know so you're kind of full attention to the person um trying to steer it where are they going trying to see where it's going to go next how do you get the most out of the person how do you keep it running and that sort but there's a little piece from this recording from 1971 leo corduff um, another great collector for, who worked for the commission in the sound archive here as well and he's talking, we played this in the episode regarding St. Bridget and the cult of tour. And this is Paddy Plunkett, he's recording from Kinnegada, Westmead in 1971. And he's talking about the Bridget's Crosses. But the reason that I like this piece is that he's, your man um, um, Plunkett is kind of coming forward with these. He's chatting a bit about the crosses. And Leo was kind of prompting him, prompting him, prompting him. That's adorable. It's the last episode. What is that, it that's a bit of context for Indeed, us. Indeed, yeah. It's yeah, the yeah. middle of the working day here, folks. Exactly. So um, he's he's kind of prodding him slightly, whatever. And then at one point, he just holds a slight, slight pause mm. for where he just doesn't fill the blank, basically. And that's something I remember having to learn to do in a, in a, in a collecting situation where you just sit in the silence sometimes with someone. And then a whole bunch of material will start to come again mm-hmm. whereas in a normal conversation you wouldn't do that with someone you wouldn't necessarily just well no you never give me silence so, in which order to my next point. <laughs> so do you know what i mean it's, yeah. th- it's this kind it's of so and true. It's, there's power in silence and in the collective just thing, need to learn it and so it can sometimes feel like a strange um Awkward. counterintuitive kind mm-hmm. of thing but you just sit. now it only he only does it for about a second but i just noticed it as mm-hmm. as and then he just the guy that, he, that he's interviewing comes out with this a little bit so this is this is leo cordoff if Claire could just stop interrupting me for a Oh, yeah, well, I make the St. Bridges Cross to, uh, for February, St. Bridges Day. You can collect the rushes, and it's not too hard. You're sure at once you know how to do it always. Well, did they have any uh, prayers or any sort of a ceremony at all on St. Bridges' night? Not that I know of now in the olden days. 
no, just the St. Bridget's Cross was made and hung up on the wall for the year. And after the year, what would it well, do? Well, it's weathered, it's nearly gone again, the year is up, you see. You make a fresh one then, again, the following St. Bridget's Day. From rushes? Oh, they're made from rushes, yes. Uh, pure rushes. They're supposed to be uh, that St. Bridget had a cross when she was uh, teaching some of the pagans about the true faith and she had no cross, a wooden cross or iron cross or whatever it be at the time. And she took up the rushes and she formed this and it's in the shape of a cross almost, you see. That's the tradition attached to it. Now, um, did you catch that? I did, I did. Just about. Yes, I had to, because I kind of said to Johnny I didn't catch it the first time we listened to it. But um, but when I concentrate, yeah, you do get that moment where he can just. It's just that holds. tiny bit he just holds off and then and. Uh, but um. But you're kind of creating, aren't you? Like as the collector, you are in this relationship with your informant, mm-hmm. and it's this context that you're both creating something together. Mm. So and it's important to kind of appreciate the impact that one has on the other. So things like this, that the science of um collections fascinating. Yeah, there's me. a whole there's a whole um, I mean it's such an interesting area I guess and even again to go back to the world of you know formal archival world would say that you don't an archive is not a collection you don't mm-hmm. go out and collect these things you just mm-hmm. receive them from the state receive them from a department of state or an organization or something like that you don't go out and decide it's a good idea to collect this or whatever it kind of goes against formal archival principles but the, the collectors here are are actively yeah creating the records yeah. that they're that they're harvesting from the people and then just think of the the, the um like you're saying, the context, um, what's being created, I suppose, between the collector and, and the person with, with whom they're, they're, they're working. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Egan is a guy that we had on a few of the episodes from the Midlands. I think he's from Westmeath. And Jim Delaney collected a lot from him. But they became great friends as well. There was a wonderful friendship between them that comes across in lots of the recordings as well. There's a great joviality and a kind of um, an informality. But, but Bill had amazing kind of store of, of local knowledge and, and, and lore as well and I found a, a beautiful photograph of them by the way you were looking the other day for a recording with the with the sound of birds on it oh and yes and I thought it was um who did I mention was it junior Crean it wasn't it's Bill Egan oh and it's in his little in his, his farmhouse uh, and you can hear these birds kind oh, of it must background. be the summer they're, they're flittering around outside it sounds beautiful but I found a beautiful photograph of Jim Delaney and Bill Egan uh, in Bill's yard and it's down some little rural kind of country lane. That's obviously it's a black and white photo. It's obviously kind of, you know, in the summer or something like that. And Bill's is making a, a rope out of straw. Oh, so the two okay. of them are standing across the each other in the yard. Oh, uh, but then? Yeah, but oh, they're connected okay. by this this straw rope. It's a lovely oh, symbol for the the, the, the two friendship. of them, the friendship, but the, as well as the collecting the informant. So, it's a kind of it's there's a huge um, there's a very interesting dynamic. Rino Hyoga, the former director here, has done a huge amount of work on that idea of context and yes. subtext and. That you kindly um, recommended to me. Um, and it yeah, is, yeah, it's a, yeah. a great article to read because it gives you such an understanding that you're not just looking at the text that you look at when you come into the archive here but you're looking behind it to the context and mm. then looking within it for the subtext mm. as well mm-hmm. really really interesting it just kind of shows you this rich stream mm. that you can investigate that you're you're kind of only getting one view at the text and then yeah. you have to start asking questions about why was this one offered 
how was it given how was it shaped by the informant's background mm. the collector's background the occasion the on which it was, occasion. was exactly, exactly. which and as though we had planned it leads us into a neat segue i think that you wanted to talk Lovely. about we finally nailed it after mm-hmm. 20 episodes yes done. we have and um, the idea of context is beautifully i suppose represented by the collector's diaries which is one of the last things the kind of last little mini collections that I wanted to highlight that people might not know about. Um, we've written about it this month in for the Cultural Heritage Unit blog, so you can read a little bit more about them. But they're also um, freely accessible here in the archive as well. And essentially what they are was, from 1935 onwards, the Commission advised all full-time collectors to retain or to kind of create daily personal diaries if you like alongside the manuscript material that they would create and collect from informants and what the diaries were meant to do was to record the atmosphere in which the work was undertaken this is what Sean O'Sullivan wrote about and he was very much kind of it seems influenced as you kindly um, showed me in that article Johnny by the work of the ordnance survey field workers so the likes of John O'Donovan and Eugene O'Curry and George Petrie when they were collecting in the, the mid-1800s, they also collect, um, kept diaries and kind of really captured the context of who they were speaking to, where they were working, mm. what was happening. And so the commission saw the likes of this, saw its value, and also they were obviously heavily influenced by the Scandinavian um, practitioners in folklore collection who were miles ahead of them who always knew the value of context that in order to understand the material that you were collecting, you had to understand the context in which it emerged. So as Dr. Rina Yogan writes in that article you mentioned, Johnny, she writes that um, any single item of folklore must remain at best bare, isolated and unrelated if it is kind of captured without this context that encircles it so what you see in the diaries and we have over 120 of them when i went to count the Mm. cards which is fascinating from our full-time collectors and as i'll just read a little quote i love a quote my my last (laughs) few quotes of the episode get them in Uh, get them in Um, and shauna sullivan writes in a paper that he gave at the four symposia folklore um, in it indiana was the mid-century folklore conference mm. amazing it's fascinating yeah, when it's you really interesting that. yeah so um rich in terms of all the various articles mm. but speaking about kind of the diaries sean o'sullivan in 1953 writes owing to the nature of the work the diaries would fall into two types the days when he was writing at home he being the collector would just mention that in a couple of lines in a couple of lines but on the nights he went out to visit an old storyteller for the first time or to do recordings he might devote perhaps 20 or 30 pages of his diary to a description of the whole atmosphere of the house how he went there who gathered around who was in the house how he questioned the old man what kind of person he was physically or otherwise and tell how he got the tales recorded now those diaries will i think be of great use later when our tales will be published and time and again when you're looking through and um, when i was kind of doing a bit of research on the diaries you just see the value that's contained in them even in the most throwaway lines mm. so you've got michael murphy working in the north of ireland and he captures so much of that kind of tempestuous political oh, upheaval at the time kind yeah. of in the run-up to and during the troubles the army coming into his house destroying his collections yes the helicopters yeah. going overhead just to create that disturbance amongst people and um, all of this kind of and the people he writes so movingly about him um, the 19 year old son of my neighbor has been killed in an explosion with another young fellow on a landmine 
and he writes the gloom of such an event falls like the ash of a great mountain fire on everyone so there he is that was in the collector's diary yeah Yeah, so there he is kind of speaking about the very formal work of collecting and going out and um, speaking to people and collecting information but there's so much social context and historical context that they gather unknown to themselves Mm. almost in Mm -hmm. them and you've got lovely ones from Sean Ahoy and the one I love um he writes very and it is like a throwaway comment at the end of one in 1940 where he's saying nothing much happened today just a few planes overhead that scared the old people and then full stop but actually when you think about it it's the war Mm -hmm. so when i looked up apparently there was um raf airfields in fermanagh that Mm. would fly across the border Mm -hmm. and actually some raf planes um came down in donegal off the coast so that we actually still have the the remains out there and germans in wicklow this is it you know so all of this that you can if you we think planes now you're like oh yeah that'll be the Carrickfin airport Mm -hmm. but it's not like this is wartime and in such quiet villages you imagine what that must no wonder they were wondering what they were you know because they Mm. weren't as common and that this was although we were neutral the effects of war were still being felt Mm -hmm. so there's so much kind of in the historical political um element of the diaries and then they've got these wonderful little aspects where they might include photographs or they might include um sketches or um just these wonderful little kind of vignettes if you like about local characters and local events that may have nothing to do with a particular you know piece of folklore that someone's telling them they're just observing that this is what life is like at that time mm. but especially what i think <clears throat> might be of interest not only to local historians who will like that aspect but for family historians as well i love that he the collectors go into quite a lot of detail as sean said about describing the person yeah. so yeah. if you know that someone from your family gave information you can come into the archive look up their name find their entry in the manuscript each piece should be prefaced with a kind of metadata label telling you the date that they were collected from. So then you can go and see if the collector has a diary that encompasses that date. That evening when he went to collect. And then yeah. you can go and see if it gives you another insight into um, your relative or the person he was collecting from. Mm. Because Shauna Hoy would have gone to my granny's granddad, who she often, often spoke about. But I love, like, he gives a really thorough discussion about the day he goes to see him. But, like, to an ordinary person it means nothing but mm-hmm. to us like, mm. it's just he tells us what he looks like blue eyes big beard like um shoulders as wide as a bed <laughs> um that he was prone to swearing which, <laughs> which, is, which is hilarious as yeah. my grandmother was not and um when they were driving up to the house that this big gaggle of children came out and i imagine maybe potentially one of those could have been like my grandmother mm-hmm. or that um he describes using the edophone and that how he kind of would say to the edophone god you've got a great memory like literally to the machine hmm. and then he, he writes um so so like it just, That's really just brilliant. Yeah. paints a picture but the bit that i love and i think this is why i like sean ahoy as well um at the end of his last meeting with um thomas athena who would have been a kind of a relative of ours he writes um it's in irish so i'll read it but then i'll give you a quick translation um, we grim lie with Adam, I guess a Rikinama, a fad, I guess a Vishaginsha shot do, I guess new grim for richer a Vion, a hang grim faruulshin, um, is dueled on the Shandini bre or sorry, bre creha shaw, um, a rate or low, a hanania, a motion dictort a man of defa, and grimshin a higamach on hree, I guess a te, a gemartlish and a Shandini, I guess a Shanre or Fodna Chira, Homai. Because the ten shanahas, because gas short a wanyan, lish lenar galter gela, ige mart loha, gugaji gia lohalik. 
Clavis. which is just oh it's so some of our collectors they really were writers and artists so this is Shauna Hoy saying that at the end of the evening after he'd been to see him a few times and collected material from him he had held his hand to say goodbye and that kind of he was saying whatever those last words were but that he held his hand the entire time and that it wasn't just any handshake but it was the heartfelt manly handshake that the old people had at that time when they were kind of taking leave of people and that he was saying that such things are going with the old men and old women as well as so much of the culture the Gaelic culture that um of Ireland if you mm. like uh, you know may God help them all and I just thought oh isn't that just so as a little vignette it captures the person it captures the society that's changing it captures mm. the collector's view of the importance of his own mission and his own work and um all of that in the diary that you won't see in the manuscripts no. so you can go to this person and see that he gave maybe local lore or you know fenian tales but all of this also exists so it's important if people haven't kind of realized that we also have diaries and that potentially there might be something of interest for family history mm-hmm. or local history that's beautiful it is it's yeah. so so nice i have to say it's one of my favorite collections and mm. um, that we've discovered the, the diaries are something that i must admit i'm very um i haven't drawn on in my time here particularly at all they're like they're like a blank space to my mind in many ways apart from published pieces on them mm. but michael jay's stuff is incredible you can oh, just open it it reads yeah. like a, a book and he was away. a journalist wasn't he or at least a fiction he ha- he writer was as writing, well he was yeah he was writing for um for papers yeah you can tell but even it's just enjoyable like he's so literary mm. and even like just the beautiful way he articulates emotions and mm-hmm. and you, you know you're it's not just him someone who's writing for the sake of writing you mm. know he enjoys language um and yeah it's beautiful it's really enjoyable to his, to read his stuff it goes back to, again to what we're saying about you know billy egan and jim delaney and sean like the, the impact that the people had on the collectors mm. and that the, the 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 kind of the love that they had or displayed for them or the inspiration that they caused and that you know it isn't just this kind of cold mathematically impartial and objective collection here at all mm. There's a huge emotional resonance to, to resonance to all the material. Take for example, what was that gentleman who was here the other day when Eamon was in, who was doing his study, and this guy came oh, in to found yes, he found yes, material in his true. grandfather, mm-hmm. and it turned out at the same time in the reading room, unbeknownst to one another. So this this man came in and he was doing research on, on um, material from his grandfather, I That's think. Right, I think so. Um, and he couldn't read the translation. The, the, he couldn't read the material in the manuscript in Irish. But there was uh, another was visiting genuine. researcher in with us who happened to be working on all of that material, mm. um, had transcribed it all, was able to translate it for him. Um, and, and so the guy who was coming in for his grandfather had photographed of the man and the man who'd worked on the material had never seen him. Yeah. And so they were able to share with each other, you know, the, but had the diary entries and uh, there was reference to this man's grandfather and his aunt, the man's aunt as well, being in the house as a child. Oh. So, but the... the um, I love those moments of serendipity in the in the archive when yeah. people chat. Do you remember when the two women who took part in the school's collection came in on the same day unannounced? Yes. Remember that? Insane. Very bizarre. There are certain days here where you just think the fates are lining, you know. Yeah, one so, does. So strange. Um, I'm reminded of for Shona Hoig's thing here, of, of um, the one book I do have here, Sean O'Connell. And it's, a, again, a neat segue, as if we'd planned it. But Sean O'Connell, um, from Kilreelig in southwest County Kerry, was the individual, really, who inspired Delargy to... Um, to save Ireland's folklore in its entirety as he, as he viewed it. He went to, to Kilreelig and Kerry to learn Irish in 1923. And while he went there, he met Sean O'Connell, who was a man who 
um, had a great store the kind of he had the high artistry of the, the, the kind of multi-episodic complex folk tales and hero tales um, material from the Finn cycle local legends prayers all sorts of material huge amount of um, different items but he had a huge inspirational effect on him um, in, in kind of carrying out his collections down there but he, he notes about him um, if I can find it here some, yeah he says um, Sean O'Connell understood what I wanted this is this is in the foreword to the text from Delargy's writing about, about going in to collect this material um, he was a man of old time nobility with great respect for the oral tradition of the past generations if I was eager to write down his folk tales lest they be lost he was as eager to give them to me and to encourage me in the work and he carries on there saying that he remembered that, that every time Delargy's about to leave mm. and that O'Connell would start with a really long uh, hero <laughs> oh, tale okay. And then he'd say, well, I'll, you know, take the star of that down, come down again, oh, I'll, I'll give you the rest of it. But at the end, then, he says, yeah, so in describing that event, he says, from that recording and compilation came the inspiration to do my utmost to support whatever attempt can be made to collect the folklore of all the Irish people before it disappeared forever. And so it's, it's the impact of those individuals that then kind of, I suppose, has, has such a force then to not just to save the material of one person, but then to save the material or to highlight the importance of, of all of our mm. folklore or traditions as, as a people or as people in general, wherever you're listening to this to, or in Ireland and England and America, wherever, across or Europe. Vladimir or Vladimir in Russia. Indeed. Um, to be proud, be so proud of, of your, your forebears, your, your, the people who come before you and their, I don't know, their, their um, imaginative kind of artistry and, and so on. Absolutely. It's, um, yeah, it's so important. But... Um, Will we wrap it up towards Yes, the poor um, loyal listeners. We've probably lost quite a few of them. Nonsense. It's now an hour and five minutes. Yes, let's. Um, will we play, the to finish, the last piece that the, is also the one, the uh, the first piece that we started with of audio? Oh, yes, one of my favourites. Um, the Eternal Return. The circle is complete. It's true. Can I just say... Uh, so, we're just going to play this one piece. <laughs> yes. Can I just say goodbye before we finish? Oh, of course, we will. Perfect. We will, of course, yes. Um, Oh, no, are we doing it now or do you want to do it afterwards? No, we can do it now. So I was going to just introduce the piece nice and then say goodbye. Oh, but it's quite nice to finish with Dlargy. We'll just finish with Dlargy, yeah, so we'll, we'll do our, our goodbyes now. Yes, that's what I said at the beginning. What, when? At the beginning of the episode? <laughs> just now. Oh, yeah, no, I know, yeah. But I wasn't <laughs> going to just start and play it there. Okay. Oh, oh Lord. It's been, right it's been a difficult however many years it's been and it's been arduous. Oh, we stopped talking to each other a long anyway. time ago. <laughs> My mouth is moving, Johnny, but obviously something is not going in. I'm sorry, did you say something? <laughs> So um, I just wanted to say that, um, yeah, I've loved every second of it, even at all the mad preparation and the last minute bullet points that we create the day mm-hmm. before. But um, to everyone who's emailed and showed enthusiasm yeah. for the um, Blue New Biologist podcast, to people who've actually gone to the trouble of visiting um, when they're here in Dublin or even those who've come from abroad and have popped in, mm-hmm. um, it's meant so much to us. We've loved meeting you. We hope you found us on a day where we were in our happy place and not grumpy um, and we made you feel welcome but please do keep listening um, Johnny is going to be terrific um, as always and it's going to be do stick with Blue Renew because we've created it with the aim to kind of create a window through which you can view materials or discover materials um, in the archive even if you can't come and visit and to dispel those myths that are kind of that stock folklore which I hope we've done mm-hmm. to some degree so keep using your local libraries your archives and appreciating the riches that they have get out there and collect material as well because i hope we've shown um, in our romantic sense that it is important the stories that we hold every bit as important important as the parliamentarians and the presidents and the statesmen and women so collect your own material 
and yeah, stay in touch with Blue and you. Um, look after Johnny, and <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. Delighted. Can we hug on the radio? No, no. They don't even clear. see us, come on, Johnny. Come on, here's a go, yeah. Oh, Lord. Delighted. There you go. Ah, oh, buddy, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, you too. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Uh, no, I told you, what am I going to do? What, what the hell am I going to do? I was first, when you were like, I was initially, I was like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't do Blurney without you. But I think I'll have to just. Oh, have you gone on that journey after 24 hours? Uh, like, t- yeah, that's fine. 24 minutes, okay. I'd say. But yeah. it just, no, like, it's that, it's trying to provide a window for people to just open up the collections and try and, um, yeah, like you were saying, dispel some of the myths or just show the depth of the material that it's not just this kind of throwaway material to be kind of. Uh, Folklore Sniggered is out, about you know I mean? more than fairies. If nothing else, folks, take that away that's, from me. That's your tagline, yeah. But no, it's been it's been an absolute crack, a total total um, total pleasure. I'm delighted. But um, yes, keep keep using like you're saying local archives and collecting and be proud of, of where we come from and so on, and realize that it's a living force. It's a living thing. It's not uh, it's not some brittle and dry kind of um, fossil from the past, or whatever. Exactly. Uh, unlike ourselves. Um, for yourself indeed although I was a bit creaky there for the last few weeks but touch wood I'm alright you were but I'm sure you'll be fine yeah. keep doing the physio yeah. um, <laughs> but well yeah all I can say is thanks so much to yourself and totally you, totally delighted uh, yeah, I shall miss you my indeed. brother from another mother indeed indeed <laughs> um, okay before the mascara is running all over the place here yes. shall we um, leave well, you with the great forebear indeed that was James Hamilton de Largy mm-hmm. and um his whole well, the impetus for starting the whole the whole mess that has us here now, <laughs> right? But we wouldn't be here without him in many ways. Oh, absolutely not! You know, Total legend, kind of absolute absolute hero. Yeah. Um. Okay. This is, uh, Seamus Adlarga, and uh, well, this is us signing off. Lovely. Um. More hard to. Um. Rahegas Blahera Vagoni. Mhm. Right. See you later, buddy. I realised that the old house was on fire. You know. It was about time some of the furniture was taken out before the whole thing went up. In other words, the civilization which had lasted here, Gaelic civilization, which had lasted here for so many centuries, that now it was disintegrating. Uh, so that I suppose the desire to save, the urge to save, a burning urge to save. And I have done something in that regard, and I feel glad. But I feel sorry too, because I realise how little I have done, and how little we in the Irish folklore have done, compared to what there was to be done. So it can be blurry, you just like from an angle. Has that been the legal team have signed off on that? Yes, I'm okay. completely happy with that. Yeah, yeah, no, we'll we'll work something out. But um, it's just it'll be weird. Like I know, but it'll just be different. But then you'll get into the hang of hang of it like mm. you know but it's nice that we have this little i don't i feel creation. like it won't be grounded to planet earth in the way that it quite was well without the old color carded color carded cards, cards yeah. no it won't be but anyway um right that's us any other i think i'd like for this one a photograph of me and you oh johnny for the soundcloud thing it's just a photograph Chris. no johnny i hate photos i won't i won't it's my only command no johnny this is all about me i don't like photographs come on no photo. no either that or i'm putting up the one that orty used before of me and you oh, come on it's just it's it's the only one we'll just be standing here in most of the books like can we this. do like and a like black this. and white one or something perfect right right you have to do it now we, we, we can do it whenever all oh, right okay right right the trauma to my heart and then if you can look if you can look pain if you can look a bit emotional Sad, <laughs> and I'll be there trying to one side cheer, and then we'll zoom in on that, and it'll be done. Oh Lord! Right? right. Okay. Right. Are we still recording, Johnny? Yeah.
we are. We're not anymore. Hold on. 